everyone. My name is Emily Ansnick, the voice of Julia Stonewash and many others here on Jollyville Radio. I have the distinct honor and pleasure of interviewing my good friend and neighbor, Jordy Godley, for today's community beat. Jordy wears many hats. He is a fashion consultant, a model, a digital content creator, writer, and the creative director behind the fashion website, East and West. Welcome to Community Beat, Jordy. Hi, Emily. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're so excited you're here. So tell the listeners about yourself. Who are you other than my fabulous neighbor and friend? <laughs> well, I think that's my main title. Uh, no. <laughs> but my name is Jordy. So I am, a, as Emily mentioned, I'm a fashion consultant, model, um, creative director of the fashion website East and West. Um, I started this in 2016. And I guess my main goals are to bridge Asia and the West through fashion while promoting the inclusion of people with disabilities in the industry. Um, so I'm fabulous. And- <laughs> <laughs> Love it. It's great. Of course. It's a given. <laughs> you forgot about that part. Yeah. No, so, yeah I'm fabulous. And um, I... I love what I do and I love, I love people. So I love what I do. And I love, I love making a difference in the world or trying to make a difference in the world uh, through my passions. That's awesome. So do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Like how did you get into fashion and fashion consulting? Sure. So initially, as we all do when we graduate college, we're all kind of wondering what we want to do with our lives and where we're going to go. And I moved to, I was in Australia and I moved to Jakarta, Indonesia. And I took up an internship at the Australian embassy there. Um, doing development and also public diplomacy. Um, And after I got a job uh, in the embassy as a um, public diplomacy officer, I went to Fashion Week uh, one day with my mom's friend, and it kind of started from there. I took pictures of the runway. The designers liked the pictures that I took, and I got to know a lot of them. And then our embassy wanted to do fashion diplomacy. And as I'd been the only one who'd gone to Fashion Week and knew designers, I kind of started to to, uh, work with them. my boss on that and it all just kind of went from there I went from wanting to be a diplomat to then entering fashion which I always wanted to do but never thought someone like myself with a disability could be in the industry and I I wanted to become that person so that's awesome do you mind giving a little bit of context when you're I feel like you're kind of talking about it a little bit do you want to if you're comfortable diving into it like talking about your disability and maybe why you feel like you can't necessarily, you felt like you couldn't get into the fashion industry? Sure, of course. Thank you for asking. So I was born with a disability and a cerebral palsy. Um, so I'm a wheelchair user. I'm not wheelchair bound. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I use my wheelchair for long distances and going around most places except my apartment. Um, but I, yeah, so I am a wheelchair user. I have weak fine murder skills in my hands as well, but it's strong enough to do daily tasks and, and important things like texting and scrolling <laughs> Um, (laughs) no but you know growing up I always loved fashion it was something I always loved and I really wanted to model and I really wanted to do a lot of those things but I never saw anyone like myself with a disability in the industry as a model or as as anyone um and um I grew up in Asia so especially in Asia where disability is not as widely discussed uh, as it is here in America um I hardly saw that inclusion and so I, when I started my career in fashion, I really thought, well, you know, there's no table for me, so I'm going to have to build one for myself. Um, and that's what I did. Awesome. That's great. So kind of talking about your East and West blog, um, can you give kind of just an overview of what it is, but also what can we in the West learn from the East? 
So two parts. Tell us about your blog real quickly. And then what can we learn from what you? Because it's general? not a list. Yeah. Just in general? Yeah. Or just from fashion or anything like that. Oh, great. Okay. So it, basically East and West, um, I created, I think, in the fall of 2015 or 2016. It's been so long, I don't remember. Um, basically, the site, basically on the site, I model clothes in the personal style section. And then I discuss various topics in fashion in the insight section. So I'll cover runway shows of all the emerging designers in Asia um, and, and or different fashion weeks around the world. I will talk about different events happening in the industry. Um, and I will model clothes from emerging designers I worked with. I think one of the biggest uh, reasons I started East and West actually was because after going to Fashion Week, I saw there were so many amazing emerging designers in Asia that I didn't have a platform to be promoted overseas. And so that was one of the reasons I created East and West. Um, that is the bridging the Asia and the West through fashion. So promoting these brands and letting everyone know they exist and look how fashion forward they are and look how cool they are. Um, and so, yeah, East and West, it's, it's fun. I mean, it's, it's rather, I don't want to say simple, but it's very straightforward. You get runway, you get personal style from me, you get different updates, news updates from things happening in the industry. Um, so it's good. I really enjoy creating there. Cool. Awesome. Um, and listeners, Jordy is very humble and I'm going to bring this up because I think this is a big deal, but you are listening to someone who has been the subject of a CNN film school documentary, um, which is amazing. Um, and it was, it's a great 10 minute video. We'll include it in the link. Uh, Michael, we're just going to put it in there just cause it's too good. Um, and, uh, so it's an oppor- it's, it's, it's an opportunity to learn about Jordy, to see Jordy. Um, and I think I, I was just watching it again before this uh, recording. And what I love, there's a, set, a statement in there that you make that I am, I just, I love it. It's so great. It says, my wheelchair is beautiful and I look beautiful in my wheelchair. And it's kind of talking about how you didn't want to be photographed in it, but then you realize that that was an asset and a strength. Um, so I just, I mean, I wanted to tell you that I absolutely love this, but also what... I guess, do you want to talk about that journey a little bit and how you got there and how people can embrace things that they may see as an insecurity and kind of leaning into it? Thank you for asking that question. And I really appreciate it uh, because I never get to talk about this enough when I do media. So I really appreciate this. Um, Look, you know, growing up, I was never, first of all, I was never ashamed of being disabled. You know, I can't change it. It's it's just, it is what it is. I'm in a wheelchair and, you know, I can't. But what I used to do, you know, if I look back at my Facebook, um, which I'll I'll show you sometime, is that all my photos are kind of cropped from the waist up, right? I would either be on my knees standing or I'd either crop myself that way, not because I was ashamed of being disabled, but because I didn't think my wheelchair was attractive or beautiful, right? I didn't think I looked good in my wheelchair. It kind of made me just look different or more different than everyone else. And, you know, as an awkward teenager and as a you know, young adult, you know, you want to you wanna kind of fit in and you want to be like everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always know that I'm not, right? And I've lived in, you know, six countries across the Asian region. And in some of those countries, I would be stared at a lot being in a wheelchair, not because I was, you know, people thought I looked beautiful because of whatever, but because a lot of people had seen someone out so much in a wheelchair and people would stare and they would point and some people would shield their kids away from you or you know laugh and so when you're a teenager 
you kind of feel like really insecure. And some days I didn't really want to go outside because I didn't want to experience that. And so I never really had a role model to kind of show me that my wheelchair was beautiful or feel confident in my wheelchair. Um, And so on social media, you know, in the start of Facebook and all that, you know, you can kind of not be who you want to be, but you can curate your image. And I wasn't ever trying to deny I had a disability, but I just kind of wanted to make my photos look more, what I felt more aesthetically pleasing. Um, When I started East and West, you know, I... I was nervous. I was nervous about online trolls or people being mean to me or saying mean things. But at the same time, at that point, at 24 or 25 years old, I kind of understood that if I don't take this step and I don't put myself out there, that there are a lot of other young people, especially in my region, who uh, feel the way that I felt and are not going to, you know, going to change the way they think of themselves because I haven't seen anyone. So I thought I should be that person, the person that. I never got to see growing up, right? Uh, and so I, I worked with this amazing photographer uh, by the name of Panji in Indonesia. And, you know, he, he is so well known and he was just such a big supporter of me. And as I started to, you know, ask brands to model for them or use their clothes to create content, I started to really take pictures out of my wheelchair, but then in my wheelchair, because the whole point of me doing this was so that I could change the perceptions of disability, right? Break those negative perceptions. And so at first it was pretty uncomfortable. I was like, oh, you know, I don't know if this looks good. I didn't feel it looked good. But as I kept going, I realized, wow, I look hot. Like, you know, <laughs> I mean, I've always known I'm hot. Kidding. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's great. <laughs> I looked more, I was like, I'm still, I'm like just as hot as I am in my chair as I am out of my chair. Exactly. Right. I was like, so it's like I'm just hot all the time, you know? So <laughs> I was yeah, I was like, I gained that confidence. And you know, you can't see um any kind of like um how can I say shyness when I take when I'm in my when I have photos taken in my chair. I was like rocking it. I got to learn how to do different poses. And again, because there was no one as an example, I had to like learn how to pose in my wheelchair. I had to learn what angles to sit or like how to push myself up or when to hold on to my wheel. And, you know, but I love being in front of the camera. Your audience is going to think I'm a narcissist, but I love being in front of the camera. He's not. He's not a narcissist. <laughs> like, I can confirm that I know him and I'm friends with him. So. <laughs> um, thank you. No, but like, yeah, I had to, you know, learn how to do all that. And um, I was like, yeah, it was, it was a great learning experience. So I think fashion is such an, exclusive industry you know that's so based on looks actually taught me the or reaffirmed the beauty in my disability uh to myself uh, so it was, it was a journey and you know I, I i tend to take photos in and out of my wheelchair because i still want to show people that i'm versatile yeah. as a model uh and that i'm not can i'm not um how can i say um confined to my wheelchair i'm not wheelchair bound which is a, a mistake a lot of people make when they reference someone in a wheelchair that they're wheelchair bound because then everyone is bound to their chair i don't know yeah. i'm not you know strapped down and you know handcuffed to my chair so i wanted to show people that you know i, I can be both in and out of my wheelchair uh, no i think that's awesome because i think it's it's a good way of it's a good example of just you, you are who you are and you're bringing it to the table and just that acceptance that hmm. regardless of if you're in fashion or wherever like you just need to be able to appreciate who you are and what you bring to the table. So that's exactly. huge. Exactly. And that you could do it in a in a um, in a field like fashion. Exactly. And then to answer your other question on, you know, what can people do to feel more confident in themselves? I think it's just 
believing in yourself and realizing that everyone is beautiful in their own way. Um, I, you know, for me, I having something that is so obvious or like, so you can't avoid seeing it, you know, one can only, one can only help not feeling a little bit insecure. Right. But for me now, I'm so confident in my chair and I just think it's it's amazing. But I know a lot of people, a lot of young people, some young people still struggle with not having that confidence. And, you know, I've seen that through my work in fashion and kind of the reactions I've got from the disability and uh, the disabled, disability community and the able-bodied community as well. Uh, cool. Awesome. Um, so what would you like to see more of when it comes to accessibility in fashion? I would like to see models on the runway, not just for one season or for one show or one designer. It'd be like a one-off thing where they pat themselves on the back and say, look, we're inclusive. I want it to be normal. I want it to be so normal that you don't even think about it anymore. Because I think when you see something so much, you don't even think about it. That's when it's truly become normalized. Uh, and I was told that by a designer um, that, that I worked really closely with. You know, I would go to events and people wouldn't talk to me because they would be so uncomfortable with my disability and seeing me in a wheelchair and only when I got out of my wheelchair and sat in a regular chair they'd be like they'd talk to me so my friend said or the designer said you have to keep attending because you have to make people get used to it and so I think the more we have a presence on everything whether it's runways campaigns you know editorials magazine covers it'll just become something normal and become normalized to the to the general public that people with wheelchairs are we exist and um we're just as capable and just as normal as you, you know. So uh, I want to see, I want to see more of us everywhere, you know. Nice. Um, that's what I want. I want us to take over the world, you know, and make the whole world flat so that we can. Sorry, flat Earth. There's no, but I mean, like, take, take the world, <laughs> you know, make have no stairs. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Make it more wheelchair accessible. Yeah. <laughs> not a flat Earther. I'm not a flat Earther. Yeah. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah, make it so it's easy to get around. Exactly. Um, that's perfect. Awesome. So I guess what are some other, we kind of just talked about this, but like, I guess in general, what are some ways that our listeners can be more inclusive? Or what what recommendations do you have for our listeners in general? In I mean, if you want to be more inclusive of people with disabilities, I think it starts from having a conversation like this, right? And realizing that people with disabilities are just like you, you know, although our disabilities may present certain challenges it's, or you know obstacles it's nothing that can't be overcome and you know I think it's when people become so worried about someone's disability that, that that's when it becomes you know exclusionary yeah you know, for example if you have a friend with a disability and you are not sure how ADA accessible your apartment is and you want to have a party don't not invite them because you're not sure they'll be able to get in or get up, invite them and allow them to make that decision. You know, I think a lot of the time people, you know, looking at good intention, want to ensure that things are accessible for us. And then if they, they don't think they are, then they just kind of, they don't want to approach that, you know, but by not giving us the agency to make those decisions for ourselves is kind of being more exclusionary, right? So always include your friends with disabilities. If you don't have a friend with a disability, ask yourself maybe why, or, you know, I mean, don't go seeking us out. And it's not like we're like a novelty, but like, you know, you do happen to run into someone with a disability, get to see them for them and not their disability. I think, I think that's one of the biggest um, things that I discovered when I graduated university is that 
I wasn't judged based on my abilities. It was my disability that I was being judged for and I was being held back by. Not by not because of it, but because of other people's perceptions of it. You know? So just don't have any perceptions and talk to someone like you would talk to anyone else and get to know them and you know, be their friend and you know, and in time you'll learn their limitations. You know, I'm sure you, Emily, as we've been friends this last year. I'm sh- I hope that, you know, I know that you've learned things from me about accessibility and about having yeah. a friend with a disability. You know, I think it's really important for everyone to kind of expose themselves to that and just treat someone like with a disability as if everyone else, because we are, we're, we're normal. Yeah. Know? So we actually, just for, for our listeners, we actually had this conversation the last time we talked. I was pretty point blank of like, hey, like some parts of DC are super accessible and the parts, a lot of the parts where we live are not. And so I was like, hey, how does this work? You know, like, I, you know, if I find a cool spot, like how, how do we want to approach it and things like that? Like we actually had that conversation and it's important because I was like, oh, I'd love to do this with Jordy and then but being like, can we do it? And being more cognizant of like not self-selecting out of it but making sure that like, Hey, is this something that you're up to? You know, is this something that you can, you know, exactly. does this work for you? It's, that's the way it should be because you weren't making a decision for me that I would be able to get up somewhere. So therefore we shouldn't try it. We shouldn't yeah. you know, go, but we, we shouldn't try it. You know, it was a discussion like, Hey, I found this place. And how, like, you know, do you think this would be accessible for you? And we yeah. figure it out. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's awesome. Um, so getting back into fashion, is there, since you, uh, kind of work with emerging designers. Is there a designer that you want us to know about or that you've recently worked with um, that you can talk about? Um, yes, um, what, most definitely. You know, a designer I want everyone to know about in the world is an amazing designer from India by the name of Rahul Mishra. Uh, he is one of the most amazing people I know. He is an incredibly creative human being who is so talented and his garments are gorgeous. And his whole brand is about sustainability and his whole brand story is amazing. And, you know, I won't tell it because I, I won't do it justice. Um, but um, he he's just an amazing and amazing and amazing person. And I love him and I think his clothes are great. If I ever went to the Met Gala, he'd be the first person I asked to dress me. Oh, cool. Uh, or any designer. Um, nice. Just because I, he's just, he's the first South Asian designer to ever have um shown at Paris Couture Fashion Week, if that says something. So oh, you know, cool. everyone check him out. And there's actually an article about him on my website. So you can uh, read that behind the brand Rahul Mishra if you want. <laughs> nice. Oh, that's great. That's really cool. Um, so this is the last little section is just a hodgepodge of a bunch of different questions. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so you've hinted that you've lived a lot of different places, which listeners, he has. He's lived a ton of different awesome places. Um, if you could move somewhere entirely new, where would it be? Oh, like somewhere I've never even been before. Yeah, never. Somewhere. Well, maybe you've visited or wherever, but somewhere you've never lived before. Like how, like, I know that I've told you that like in a heartbeat, I would move to London. Like I love London. Right. Maybe something like that. Um, I think my heart is so in Asia. I'd probably want to move back somewhere in Asia that I've not lived before. Okay. Um, I guess that would be Singapore, but I mean, otherwise, somewhere else I'd, I'd love to live. I'd love to live in Paris. I'd love to live in London. I'd love to live in Hawaii. I loved Honolulu. I went there recently with my mom in May, just past May, and I loved it. And I like to live here. You know, I love that. So maybe Honolulu for a little while. Yeah. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so our listeners are from all over. 
um, the U.S. and we have some international listeners as well. Um, how would you recommend that they engage in their communities around fashion, especially inclusive fashion? I think start by not focusing on on brands that you know because they're big names by looking at what your local emerging designers are creating and supporting them. Um, you know, look at your local fashion week and see which designers are showing there. And kind of that's how you can begin to educate yourself on your local industry. I really support those designers. Um, and um, if, you know, you know, I think that emerging designers are, you know, they're the future of fashion. And so if you can be a part of their journey and, you know, a part of their beginnings by supporting them and wearing them, um, that'll be great. I mean, True luxury is not always a brand name. Let's not forget that. True luxury is quality. You know, I have a lot of clothes. Uh, as Emily told me, seen my horrible, horribly organized closet that looks like a, you know, a tornado went up in there. And um, I have a lot of clothes in that closet um, and some very high-end clothes and clothes from emerging brands. But one of the most luxurious pieces I own um, is a piece made for me by a designer in Indonesia, and I'm the only one with that in the world. And so, to me, that Ooh, is luxury, right? that's cool. Well, to me, that is luxury. And so, these pieces are usually always so unique. And a lot of emerging brands, especially from Asia, are very fashion forward. And you know, America has great emerging brands too. And so does the UK, and so does Europe. You know, you look at Scandinavian countries; they have amazing designers. And you know, so does Southeast Asia, and, and so does you know. Latin America, there's amazing designers everywhere. And so just, you know, looking into designers in your area would be great, you know, whether it's your country or your city. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Cool. So what fashion, what fashion advice would you give our listeners? Oh, you know what? That's a great question. I have a good answer for that. Uh, well, what makes you comfortable? You know, you don't make clothes. The, so look, the clothes don't make you look good. You make the clothes look good. And so if you feel comfortable and confident in what you're wearing, to me, that is true style. There's a difference between style and trend. We always try to follow trends. I don't follow trends. I set them. I don't follow them. But, <laughs> this is um, a, a hair flip for yeah, a moment yeah. for all of <laughs> I don't follow trends. But I I. I, I wear what I like. And I think yeah. that when you feel comfortable and confident in what you wear, that is what having good style is. Not wearing the latest sneakers by a brand or a latest, you know, crop top or dress from a brand or a sweater from a brand that has a big name. It's it's wearing what you like to wear and what makes you comfortable and then you'll look amazing. And to me, that is true. That is, to me, that is having good style. Feeling comfortable and confident in what you wear. Nice. That's awesome. So how can people learn more about you? Can get get connected? How how can we how can we stay in touch? Um, you can Google me. Uh, no. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I'm everywhere. No, I'm kidding. You can um follow me on Instagram. My um handle is at east.and.west. You can go to my website, eastandweststyle.com. Uh, and yeah, I mean you can connect with me there. And I I always reply to DMs and um, yeah, I'm happy to answer any questions anyone has. Awesome. That's great. Well, Jordy, this has been wonderful. I'm so glad we got to do this because this is what our conversations are a lot of. And so this is just really cool that we get to kind of share it with other people. Um, so thank you so much for being here. And uh, I'm yeah, this has been awesome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm 
Yeah, I feel very honored to be a guest on your podcast, on your on your radio show. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And so thank you to Jordy. And I hope that all of our listeners have a great rest of your day. Signing off from Jollyville Radio, this is Emily Ansnick with KJBR. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The cast of Jollyville Radio Season 5 includes Emily Ansonick, John Cook, Michael Crosa, Robin Crosa, Michelle Darcy, Jamie Davis, Richard Dayries, Johanna Fredrickson, Brian Green, Elissa Marks, Liz Rader Hagler, Matt Waite, and KY's Denty. Our Season 5 Writers Room Emily Ansnick, Michael Crosa, Jillian Dahl, Brian Green, Liz Rader Hagler. And a thank you to our editors who make this podcast jolly Michael Crosa, Jamie Davis, and Richard and Monsi Dayries. Season 5 is directed by Michael Crosa with help from assistant directors Jamie Davis and Emily Ansonick. Music by Michaels Crosa and Stanley. Additional editing and graphic design support from Worker Genics. This podcast was produced by Chattanooga Podcast Studios. Find out more at ChattanoogaPodcastStudios.com. Thanks again for listening. For KJVR in Jollyville, I'm Jimmy Piecrust. We'll see you next time on Jollyville Radio. Proud member of the Podnuga Network.